Hello, space nerds, and welcome to the latest episode of Ship Talking Pod. I'm Brandon, and guess who's back this week? It's the OG, one of your founders, and my absolute best friend in this entire universe. Robbie, welcome back to the show. How the heck are you? Hey, Brandon. Oh, my God. So, seriously... All I'm going to say about where I've been is (laughs) I might have been sneaking in some candy to the movie theaters. I went to get transported down and then I got stuck in the freaking pattern buffer. (laughs) Who would have thought my 10 giant things of Mike and Ike's would cause this whole thing? But all I know is that I am super excited to be finally back in 2020. This is going to be a great year, right? 2020? 2020. Yeah, Robbie, uh, you just missed an entire 365 days of Earth days around. Soul. Uh, it's 2021. Oh my God. Well, at least the Mike Knights are good. So. <laughs> I'm so happy to be back, though. We've honestly missed you, and we've gotten a lot of questions of where is Robbie? Um, but we know you, you'll you stop by as you can, and it's always a treat. And it makes it extra special when you're able to. So uh, it is great to be back here with this episode, especially for such a fun episode ahead with, uh, with what we've got in store. Oh, yes. Well, we always have something great for our wonderful guests and our communities and our fans. But without further ado, I thought I'd give a little uh, information on the upcoming episode. So on the last episode, you all got to hear part one of the chat Brandon and James had with the incredibly talented and Emmy award-winning visual effects supervisor, Rob Bonchoon. And this week we are bringing you part two of the chat. <laughs> yeah, so our, our chat with Rob was so large and so amazing, we decided to split it into two parts. Uh, so we're going to bring second part. Obviously, it's already been recorded, so we know all the fun there, but I'm not going to spoil it too much, but a lot of great chat about ships and all the work he did in terms of VFX. You heard the first part. If you didn't, I'd recommend pausing here, going back, listening to episode 26. You can hear part one. Come back here for part two. Uh, you're in for a very, very special treat. He is such an amazing artist, amazing gentleman, Star Trek fan. He is an absolute legend. And uh, as I said on the last episode, I was pinching myself talking to him. So I, uh, I hope everyone enjoys it. But of course, before we can get there, let's warp over to this episode's Community Q segment. For this episode's Community Q, we asked if you had to replace the Inquiry class fleet of ships from the season one Picard finale with one other ship class. Which would it have been? All right. So you all know the scene. There's a lot of drama and a lot of conversation around it. Fair enough. We know the reasons why there was, you know, just a few versions of the Inquiry class there. And. You know, TV shows do not have the time that big movie production was. Regardless, we all wanted to see more ships absolutely fair, but we know why it didn't happen. That said, we can definitely speculate on what we would have seen or what we would have liked to see if we were responsible for that scene. And I don't know if this is going to come as a surprise. It's always one of our top responses when we have questions that have to do with uh, other ships. And the number one requested ship to replace that inquiry class was the Sovereign class. No surprise. Amazing ship. I I think that I like the fact that Picard had Riker on a different ship yeah. instead of the Sovereign class. I think it just, I mean, it's been a long time since the Enterprise. The, the number two and then the number three selections definitely make a lot of sense. Um, number two was the Odyssey and number three was the Defiant. Uh, I definitely think that a warship would 
complement what they were trying to do very well. And the Odyssey as a science, I believe it was a science class ship. Well, yeah, there's different variations of actually the Odyssey class. But yeah, I would, well, first off, I would love to see the Odyssey class show up on screen so that it could, uh, you know, finally be fully canonized. We, of course, saw it in the comics, but, you know, a lot of fans would say it's not canon until it's up on screen. And it's, it, it, that said, though, Picard just happens to take place a few years before the Odyssey class would have actually launched. Uh, that was 2409, and I'm pretty sure Picard was still at, I think, was it 30... 3299 it's anyways it was beforehand of when uh when or, or 3399 forget exactly but it whatever it was it was definitely beforehand of when the odyssey class would have launched defiant though could you imagine a, like you know a thousand defiance all warping in and showing up oh i i think i just picture the ship battle with, yeah. with defiant would have been amazing and it kind of leads us to um our number four number five selection yep um the akira was number four and of course. Now, Brandon, did you vote Prometheus in there? Was this you? Did you, <laughs> did you submit the thousand submissions for Prometheus? Yeah, I, I, I basically made a bunch of Twitter accounts and I just said Prometheus a million times. But but the thing, here's, you better be careful. Well, here's the thing. You only need, mm-hmm. you know, a third of the people who submitted Sovereign to say Prometheus and they'd have uh-huh. as many ships, right? If the Prometheus used multi-vector uh, salt mode. Uh-huh. That's true. They could start there. Okay. Now, I actually, as you guys all know, I love the Defiant. It is one of my all-time favorite ships in the Star Trek universe. But I love the Akira. Because from my days as a kid playing Star Trek, what was it, Star Trek Armada 2? Yeah, yeah, I love the Akira. I think that is an awesome ship. So to all of you who selected Akira, I think that... That would make sense for a large spaceship battle. It's fast, it's quick, it's nimble, and it would, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, and we need more Akira class too. We need just more ships. Yeah. Also, what's great about the Akira is it was a carrier, right? It was a carrier wing ship, so it could also have a lot of different small fighters. That would have been great. So absolutely great submissions. Proud of the community. And uh, yeah, maybe an artist out there will recreate the scene with these different ships in it. Um, And, you know, all the same. We've seen some amazing fan creations of the updated scene where it does include more variation. But I'd love to see a scene with, you know, all those Defiance warping in. Well, I don't know about a whole bunch of Defiance. But, (laughs) oh, you know, what's funny is like i actually think what would have been just so poetic would have been if a bunch of klingon ships if it was a giant fleet of klingon ships could you imagine now that would be really cool yeah i'd love to see that too yeah but maybe some more mayhem would happen yeah (laughs) but i digress for our next community question we want to know out of all the hero ships from each trek series which one stands out as the best among them all. All right. So you don't get to pick the sovereign in this one because it wasn't a hero ship in the series. So, of course, you've got your original constitution. You've got the galaxy class. You've got Deep Space Nine, you could even say, or Defiant. We'll say it will let you say either of those. Uh, Voyager, the NX, and of course, Discovery, uh, La Serena. Oh my gosh. Cerritos. I'm, I'm the new proto star from Prodigy. I know I'm missing a ship in there and I'm really kicking myself and I want everyone to tweet me. But can the flower ship from Picard, can we? No, 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 not not a hero ship, but a very cool ship. But uh, absolutely, let us know which one stands out uh, as what you think is the best hero ship that's represented a Star Trek series. And for all of you who have an opinion about why your favorite hero ship should be mentioned, we love to hear it. Because as you know, the one thing that all Star Trek fans agree on 
is nothing. So <laughs> we want to hear it. That's exactly true. Of course, send your answers via email, the submission form on our website, Twitter, Carrier Pigeon, Hail. Anyway, get it to us. But we've made you wait long enough. Robbie, will we uh, step back and listen to, uh, to Rob in part two of his episode? Let's do it. I'm excited to hear this. Let's go. Timeless was the first show I supervised and we shot practicals and all of the company got together to produce all the elements that we needed and trial and error because at first they tried to do it CG and it didn't work and we had to shoot practical snow. I mean, like, a, you know, practical um, baking powder, you know, like throwing things in baking powder and pulling like a pulling like a green shape of sort of the Voyager, like through baking powder. And it was all done in like three weeks, two weeks, two and a half weeks. It was wow. all like, you know, just constant trial and error, trial and error. Oh, is this working? Is this not working? You know, it's like, because initially it was going to all be CG and it was going to be done by another company altogether. And then that kind of fell apart. And uh, I can't remember the name of the company, but I remember that we were just going to do the space shots, like the Delta Flyer and the Challenger, Mm. uh, Geordie's ship. You know, we were just going to do those and they they outsourced to some other company, the the Snow Crash, like that sequence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then one day they came in Mitch Suskin comes in and he goes, hey, um, and this is, you know, it's kind of funny. It was like, so he brings the tape and it's me and Mojo or, you guys know who Mojo is? Or? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 okay. So I, I don't know. First so. glimpses of uh, HD Voyager on his blog back in the day. Yeah. Right. So we're like in an office together, like the two supervisors or whatever. And Mitch comes in and he puts in the tape. He goes, I want to show you guys like what the other place is doing, you know? So he puts in the tape and. And it's, and it's like, it's not all the whole sequence, but it's just a sort of a test of like, you know, it's sliding into the snow mm-hmm. through the, like, you know, you know, hitting the ground and sliding through a simulated snow. And we kind of watch it and, you know, just look at each other. We're like, this. and it was, it was, it was pretty good. Like, it was like, Hey, that's, that's not, it, it wasn't done yet. Like, I mean, it didn't look finished, yeah but it looked 80% there, you know, like mm. I was surprised, you know, I was like, that's, that's pretty good. Like simulation because back then, you know, those kind of dynamic simulations, no matter what software you use, was difficult, you know, getting like particle, you know, the, you know, that kind of like water and things like that were among the most difficult things to do at, back then in CG. And uh, and so, you know, I, you know, Mojo and I look at each other and we're like, oh, that's pretty good, Mitch. Like, you know, why are you having reservations? I mean, it looks like they're, they're 90, you know, 80, 90% of the way there. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. And he said something to the effect of, yeah, but the problem is that they they think they're done Um, and then we both went oh okay that's a problem you're like nope they've got at least 10 to 10 to 20 percent to go no i mean and that's the thing it's like essentially what was told to us is that and if one of those guys is listening i apologize in advance or hearsay or whatever i can only say what was said to us sure sure was just that paramount had said to them like oh great you know you're 89 percent of the way there you know you Mm. just have to make it look real now and they were like well we don't know what else to do to it i mean i actually Mm. said to them we don't know what else to do Mm. we don't know like what numbers to push or whatever to make it closer to mm. what real would be obviously that's a problem <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah of course you got to know if something's there or not you know what i mean like it seems to me of course you should have the eye for that but uh, yeah anyway. 
I, I remember seeing that scene for the first time. And I, not that I have a morbid curiosity, but I've always been fascinated by disaster movies like Armageddon. Mm. Like, no, me too. Me too. Yeah. I, I always wanted to see the impact. I wanted to see what would happen. I want to see the tidal wave. Show me a real tidal yes, wave. Yes. Yes. That is that moment. Daddy, uh, where <laughs> she's gripping her father and the oh, tidal wave and all that. But yes, exactly. And that moment of there's two two things. That scene with um, Voyager crashing and the way that you see the nacelle kind of break apart mm. just absolutely like i was like my ship like you know you feel as part of the crew so you're like oh my gosh my ship how are they going to get through this they've been through hell and back how could they actually make it through but, they've been know. through the year of hell well, well yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> yeah. in a second and also there's the scene of course where janeway is sitting there time's up and she just plows the ship you know into the krenum the Krenum ship and yeah time's up that was a great line <laughs> like i never wanted to see voyager destroyed but i'm glad we got glimpses of it because you know mm. it, there's something about the imagination and being able to see that and then you know time writing itself and and boom yeah. so yeah, uh, well that's why they did it yeah of course yeah of course i mean trust me the writers were having exactly the same kind of fun that you're thinking of yeah like let's yeah. blow it up but we can't blow it up but we'll just invent a situation where we can blow it yeah. up so we can yeah. actually just have fun doing that and they did. Mm. Not saying that was the only impetus for the show or anything like sure. that, but I'm just saying, you know, the the writers are, you know, the the whole staff, I guess. As much as it's a job, people like to have fun too. As of much course. as oh, yeah. any fan yeah. out there would want to, you know. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to just say one caveat about the the timeless thing. Of course. I'm not saying that what we did was perfectly photoreal either. Believe me, I was not satisfied at the end. Okay. I did not think we achieved what what I would have liked to achieve. But mm. in the time allotted, you know, hmm. it, we did the best that we could up to the last second. Sure. Like we never stopped until we delivered until. You know, we just couldn't work any further, you know, so it was yeah. the best that we could do in the time a lot. You did it in two weeks and three days, wasn't it? Two and a half weeks. Yeah. Which is just crazy. From start to like, like start over, like in that other place, it had like weeks to work on their stuff. Yeah. And it's like, so we got this thrown at us at the last, well, the proverbial last minute. Right. Yeah. And unlike streaming today, they're, you know, they're hard air dates. We, you can't. You can't screw with that. It's a hard air date. There's no way around it. Oh no, we've we've heard we've heard from that from individuals who've been on and just talked about that in time frame. And that's why I think there's something special and and what you get to do now, like looking at your art station and the ship shots, you get to spend the time you want. And I know as an artist, when you don't have that time limit, an artist will keep tinkering and tweaking forever. At some (laughs) point though, it's like, okay, this is good enough, it's done. But it's even harder in your industry because you have those time limitations where it's like you know it has to be done at this point there's not just like oh i can go back to it in the future and make it better you know this is it so well you could for yourself but yeah no of course (laughs) yeah but it's gonna air the way it airs you know but uh but with streaming now it's changed the game up a little bit well quite a bit it depends on the show i suppose but obviously they still have deadlines but it, unlike commercialized TV, let's say Netflix or Prime or whatever, they yeah. can just slide the whole thing back three months, no matter what they said. Because yeah. it doesn't affect anything in terms of like people, you know, industries have not bought commercial time for that time slot. You know what I mean? In other words, you know, so that's why, the, you know, for commercial TV, that's a, it's a hard deadline because companies have paid money to, to be advertised for that yeah. show yep. on a specific date, like, you know, and, and they've been charged a, a certain amount of money because of that. 
Yep. Where streaming is not beholden to that. So you can, you can move things around all they want, you know. Unless you've got a studio that, you know, has the, uh, that, that they have that ask. My, my partner actually works in animation and as an editor. an editor. And I know from seeing the animatics and things like that, just the time that goes into it. But you do still have these big streaming organizations that they'll stick to their deadlines. They will not push back. It just mm. depends. But I... I absolutely. I just meant there's more flexibility. I don't mean that there's you know you can push it back forever. I just meant there's a little more. It seems like that's my impression. Well, and you and we kind of also seen that right during the pandemic. We have seen big studios make the decision of we will push back as long as we need to, not only because you know to make it the best, but also to make sure we get the most eyes on it. Right? Mm -hmm. Because in the end, without the eyes on it, it's not successful. So yeah, and it's still kind of a mess right now. I mean, uh, what I mean is a mess is like I'm not faulting anybody. It's just that I mean I could see where the studios are like well, let's try this oh that didn't work let's try this it didn't like let's push it back we'll release it all in theaters no i think we should release in theaters and the streaming service but wait won't that you know it's like and, and i can see where until you do one of them you know you don't know really what's going to happen until the aftermath and then you yeah. go oh so we won't do that again you know yeah like yeah. uh very recently the whole thing was black widow you know like at first they said we're only going to release it in the theaters you know yes. to bring in that money you know yep. yeah. but as soon you know and then they said well let's, let's put it on the streaming service too and make them pay a little or whatever but obviously that's not going over very well you know ultimately but that's hard to predict you know what i mean i can understand why they they go let's try it maybe it'll work maybe it'll work like gangbusters but it didn't yeah, you know yeah. it's like in this case anyway time constraints why we need infinite <laughs> time we need to be cute we can just uh change the continuum we're still waiting for that james bond movie i know i know i know <laughs> hasn't been done for like three years now yeah he's yeah. gonna be great when it comes out he's gonna go to the premiere with gray hair <laughs> <laughs> well, I know with, you know, when it comes to CGI, especially when, like you talked about, time screens are something to have to deal with. But man, some of those episodes of Voyage are like year of hell, right? Like absolutely amazing what was able to get done. Yeah, because one of the big things that was being said at the time was that there weren't big, long plot arcs because the CGI to do all the various like additions to Voyager and things like that, if they wanted to have more con continuity with alien mods and stuff couldn't be done but then year of hell came along and you had about five different versions <laughs> of voyager in that episode alone with True. various damage states yeah um, yeah you could have done that with let me rephrase that yeah of course you could have done that with miniatures but it would have been prohibitively expensive mm, yeah you know you can mess up you know you can create multiples of a cg ship copy paste copy paste i mean you know so you can have damaged ones not damaged ones. you know you don't hurt your hero ship whereas a model you got to build a new model you know what i mean it's like you got to build a whole other model and they're expensive they're forty fifty thousand dollars a pop so you're not going to have five of them in one show so that's where cgi really gave more freedom to storytelling for the writers and for you know the shows that you could do these things now absolutely um so year of hell has a special place in my heart as uh the first shot of that episode probably being the number one most watched shot of voyager that <laughs> uh that it's if i recall it's a slow pan over to voyager and it kind of goes to the bridge or the astrometrics lab or something but there's is that the is that the pushing no i think there is a pushing but i don't think it's the push into the ready room window but essentially basically my brother pulled a prank on me where he told me that 
if I look closely enough, I could see Paris making a funny face in the mess hall in that shot. So <laughs> there's me with this VHS tape going back and forth, going frame by frame, trying to see that over and over. And, you know, we touched on a couple of instances of you, your team and others sneaking in in jokes, whether it be in the wireframe, uh, a name on a ship. Are there any other sneaky little in jokes that we can't catch because of uh, NTSC resolution or that you particularly are proud of or want to you know, I guess I took the job a little too seriously <laughs> Mojo liked doing that okay mm. he he probably has many many stories of such he really he like he like putting things that don't belong into things you know like he, mm-hmm. he really yeah. enjoyed doing that I just I just sort of did my job you know it's like I didn't bunch of things but the only thing that ever ever happened and I can't no I can't think of anything that I did myself but I know Mojo put, I couldn't tell you what episode, but I know he's put like a B5 ship in the background or, oh. or, or when we worked on Battlestar Galactic, he put a Star Trek ship in, in oh, the fleet, yeah. you know, yes. and, you know, like he, you know, he, he, he likes doing that kind of stuff. Wasn't he also yeah. responsible for that first contact uh, Easter egg of the ship in there was, did he work on that one with the on Millennium this- Falcon being shown? in the first contact scene first contact are you talking about the film or yeah the film was was he was he a part of that at all well someone had snuck a uh, millennium falcon into the battle scene with the borg oh really i never noticed well oh yeah but don't forget the effects were done at ilm so makes sense somebody would sneak in a millennium i mean (laughs) but no first contact that's like way before uh, before we worked on star trek oh sorry duh what am i thinking my timelines are all they're all uh timelined up in my head um yeah, that's... Yeah, because First Contact was like 91, 92, 93? 96. 96, really? 96, but it was still before you would have been working on it, so... Yeah, it still was, it was the infancy of the stuff at the time, yeah. Yeah. Well, it must have just been a, uh, you know, the, the all the studios, you know, had their running jokes with that that they you yeah. know, would do. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and I, I just have to say, and I know that I, I recently stumbled on it, and I know I love putting out images from your Instagram, but that must be so fun, getting to play with these ships again and create these scenes and again you know being able to see it in you know as as high definition it is now but like james and i before before you joined we were going through and looking at like even looking at for instance the alternate universe nx and what it looked like from being in the expanse along we didn't get to see a lot of those details i mean yeah we, it, you know, it was it was all 3d and cgi for enterprise but getting to see those kind of details in the art that you're doing is really incredible yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. Well, a lot of those are, are commissions, but but it is fun. I mean, it, it, sometimes it takes a lot. Some of, I, I know I'm stumbling on this, but it's just that some of the ships are like unsalvageable. Mm. Not usually mm. the ones I, well, the ones I post, at least on Instagram, now that I figured figured out how to do that properly, um, <laughs> are usually more my favorites. But let's say on the art station, I, I initially was just posting everything that I was commissioned just because, okay. you know, because they were high yeah. resolution images. Even if I didn't care for the ship, I knew somebody out there would yeah. possibly want a high res image of that ship. So, sure. so I try to post like everything regardless. And we do appreciate it. <laughs> but some of the ships don't hold up, you know, that's why I'm kind of, that's why I hesitate a little bit because I'm like, you know, sometimes it's like, the images I mean, are okay, you know, but I would have to go in and, but I just, I'm not going to go in and retexture the whole thing, you know, yeah. it's like, but okay. I, I will do it like the E, I spent like two weeks on that. <laughs> yeah. Because that, the CG Enterprise E we had was, you know, it was just not, not good enough. Was that the one for Insurrection that you had? Because the one in Nemesis looked really good, but I know the one in Insurrection was done on a lot shorter time scale with a lower budget. 
if the I insurrection is a, yeah. <laughs> I was, the effects for that were really bad. Uh, <laughs> what I mean, un, unexcusably bad, if you ask me. But anyway, um, like go back, go go back and look at the still, like look at HD stills taken yeah. from now. Like if you go to Trek Core or whatever, I just look at them and I go, oh my god! Like I mean, come on, two hours in Photoshop, an hour in Photoshop, I could do a better comp than mm. this. And it's like what the. You know, what's up with this lighting? I know I mean, this is a major studio film. Yeah. I know it was yeah. way back when, but we had lobbied actually at Foundation. We wanted to work on it. We wanted to do Insurrection. Really? Oh, oh really? Yeah. Mojo tried really hard to, uh, most, mostly Mojo's impetus, like, let's do the film. But they were like, they said no, because like, well, if you put the A-team on the film, then our TV show is going to suffer. Because mm. we weren't a big enough facility. You know, we had like a core group, you know, yeah. that they kind of depended yeah. on. So if it's going to be a bunch of unknowns anyway, they might as well just you know, what's the difference, whether yeah. it's our place or, you know, in their mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I was a bit surprised. Uh, I still was a bit surprised. I mean, first contact was pretty top. Now, I don't know why they didn't go back. I mean, they had their reasons. I'm sure Paramount yeah. had maybe money issues. I don't know. It I'm sure if ILM because... would have done it. I'm sure if ILM would have done insurrection, that the quality would have been much. The reason they didn't was because they were working on the Phantom Menace at the time. Oh, is that why? Makes sense. <laughs> but you know, you never know with all the news of all these 4K re-releases of the films, and especially the motion picture director's cut getting a special new remaster getting done. Maybe they'll go back to Insurrection and be like, you know what? We can't release this on 4K. We got away with it on Blu-ray. Let's polish it up a bit, and maybe they'll come knock it. Now, before I get in trouble for that, I mean, there are some things in the movie that were that were nicely done i mean there's like like, like you know the unfur like the uh, collector yeah like the collector thing that was pretty cool and mm-hmm. I, w- I was just i guess when i say that that i was disappointed i was disappointed in the e specifically yeah i was disappointed in the look that they gave it and i was disappointed in its integration into the background yeah that makes sense like in no, other words, totally you have this ship yeah, going around you have this very red background and the ship it, it looks cut out red. you know like you can <laughs> see the matte line like I was, I was just a little surprised because it's a film you have a little more time and i was just surprised that there was a lot of look i'm sure if you talk to the guys that worked on it they probably said oh maybe they had a ridiculous deadline you never know mm. because i mean they're you know you do what you're paid and told to do i mean yeah. that's just the way it is well um, keep putting out the amazing ship art and i know some of our commissions some of your own stuff we love it we love to see it we keep featuring it it's it's something i look forward to seeing that most recent shot of the raven never seen anything of it like it obviously before never seen it modeled or or shown in that kind of light before go and make sure yeah it's brilliant it's brilliant i just I did that a while ago, actually, but uh, it was one like one of the first things I did, uh, like quite a while ago now. Yeah, I just posted it now. I just posted it now because I'd forgotten about it. I forgot yeah. that I had it even. I was like, oh, I should post this, and even though it's like ten years old or whatever. I was like, <laughs> well, I'll tell you here and now. Anything that you've got that you post, you're going to have people really excited. We're excited. We look forward to mm-hmm. it. Is there is is there a ship you'd like to see that I haven't done yet or something like something I'm just not you know might not have gotten to or. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, my default answer to that is always Voyager, but you've done loads of Voyager, so... <laughs> or Warship Voyager. I mean, we only saw her in mm-hmm. the episode and we've seen an STO, but I think some... The Warship Voyager. Doesn't want to have, like, the gun on the front. Yeah. And... yeah. Okay. Year of Hell Voyager. Year of Hell Voyager. There we go. Like <laughs> some of the various stages of the Year of Hell. Because I know Mojo has that close-up of the Deck 5. Right. I don't know if I have that. I'd have to search through. I mean, the... the, the, the um... 
the Battle Voyager, what it was, what did you call it again? The Warship Voyager. The Warship Voyager. Yeah, that one I have. That, yeah. That's that I can do. Let's let's see it. But the Year of Hell one, because it was like all the clo- like the close-ups were different CG models. You know what I mean? Like in other words, it mm. wasn't like a whole Voyager. You know, it's yeah. sort of like it was yeah. just like oh, that section of the ship, and then, so kind of like you would do with miniatures. Kind right. of the same idea. You get closer, you build a bigger. You know. Yeah. Because the, the generic Voyager just holds up up to a point, but you can't really, you can't paint scrape. No. So when you're getting yeah. even close to paint scrape, all that was built as just one section. Mm. So that's why that's a little trickier. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know that I have that. Mojo might have it, but, but yeah, I'd have to resource that. <laughs> we'll keep our eyes peeled. And before we let you get back to that and putting out those images, before we let you go, as tradition, we've got five rapid fire questions for you. And we'd like to know the very first answer that comes to mind. Is that all right? Yep. All right, Rob. So, what is your favorite ship? The Refit Enterprise. Favorite series? The original. Favorite captain? Kirk. If you were headed into Starfleet Academy and had to pick one of three career tracks, command, science, or engineering, which would you go with? Ooh, engineering. And finally, if you could go back and recreate one CG shot that you worked on with unlimited time, unlimited resources, which one would it be and why? The snow crash from Timeless. The whole sequence redone, like brought up to like photorealistic levels, like levels of detail, you know what I mean? Like make it look mm. absolutely real. I mean, that's something we'd love to see on your art stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, no pressure, Rob. I thought about it, but a lot of work. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. No pressure at all. Well, Rob, thank you again so much. It's an absolute honor to have you here. While you get back to that work, James and I are going to move into this week's All Hands on Deck segment. For this episode's drill, community members were put in a command position and asked, if you were the head of Section 31 for one day, what task would you first give your fleet and which ships would be involved? Hmm, and very interesting. Yeah, this one was uh, actually a really interesting one. And I think, um, you know, when individuals thought about Section 31, there isn't obviously a lot of context to go off of unless you've, you know, checked out the back lore and have, you know, we've seen Section 31 mentioned, of course, heavily featured in Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, them as a secret operative group and, you know, right. working in the shadows, it made sense the responses we got. So the first and most common submission was around infiltration. And those included responses like infiltrating the Jat Vash, uh, also the Tal Shiar. And there was even some really cool ones that included <laughs> alternate timelines, like the Kelvin timeline, like going from the prime timeline over to the Kelvin timeline, maybe to get, you know, technology and bring that back. Um, obviously, we know the Enterprise was different. It was much bigger. So maybe that could be kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, and I, I what I find really fascinating about the concept of Section 31 and our top suggestion, which was possibly infiltrating other uh, intelligence communities like the Jat Vash or Tal Shiar, yeah. is I think that, you know, for majority of Star Trek until the idea that of, of having Section 31 came along, we never would have thought that it was always the other people were the ones that did those subvert um actions right it was i mean yeah. we had i mean we saw in, we saw in the next gen covert operations but we never saw a full-fledged military intelligence community like section 31 although it wasn't sanctioned right. um until ds9 yep. now what i like though is that love it or hate it you know that's that's just besides the point what i love though is like now we're getting into this nuanced 
political discussion of us trying to now topple and infiltrate the Zotvash and the Tal Shiar of another sovereign uh, system, which is just so amazingly, I don't know, it's crazy. I love it. I think that whoever suggested that, that was a great, great idea. Yeah, there were quite a bit. And, um, you know, I really hope that when the Section 31 show comes out, and it's still planned to be in the works. Michelle Yeoh has been talked about uh, being part of that. It's just they're working on certain shows right now. They're they're not going to put out that show just to put it out. They're going to put it out at the right time. Uh, right. But I, I, I do think it's going to give us a new light on Section 31. I'm excited about that. Uh, other responses, including going to kill the Borg or wipe out them or, you know, mm. uh, destroy them. Of course, uh, a very common thing. If you've got something powerful, why not kill out something else? Very powerful. But I think my favorite joke submission said, and I put in air quotes, something about Tuvix. <laughs> yeah, you know... I, I'm almost tempted to say that Tuvix was a bigger threat than the Borg. You know, I mean, did you see what he was wearing? I mean, that was like the absolute worst combination of clothes. So, oh, poor Tuvix. I know, poor Tuvix. But I don't know. I'd like to see how they could actually kill the Borg. Yeah. All of you provide us with these really awesome high-level ideas, and I'd love to hear some of that more fleshed out. So definitely, the next time we have something like this, feel free to tell us how would they in- infiltrate the Vosh or kill the Borg. And please, for Brandon and my sake, let us know what would happen with Tuvix because we're very curious about that. <laughs> yep. Well, want to remind everybody that if you want to participate in the all hands on deck drill, they get posted on Twitter every week or so. And you can go ahead and uh, engage with our wonderful team there and we'll get you over to this drill. Absolutely. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Robbie, I just have to say it was such a pleasure to have you back on the show. And uh, don't be a stranger. Of course, stop by when you can. You are always, always welcome. And uh, I mean, sure. You and I get to talk all the time outside of the pod, but I love when we get to host episodes together. Okay, I promise I will from now on buy candy at Quarks for the movie theater. <laughs> I just gotta say, he his upcharge is insane. So it was not my fault about that transporter accident. That's that's know? very very true. Uh, well, everyone, do not forget hailing frequencies are always open. Head to shiptalkingpod.com to transmit a message via our submission form, and while you're there, check out our merch, which has recently expanded. Go check out the new items there's lots of fun stuff available it's high quality too it really very is fashionable yeah mm-hmm, i love it i'm wearing it right now <laughs> i just also want to remind everybody that we are on patreon and you can go ahead and support us and become a donating member and in return there's some pretty amazing benefits there is including expanded episodes you get to chat with some of our guests and live shows that we do that have surprise guests like we had mark raidmaker on a show and he came and opened up his vesta file and was showing us and doing modeling live. It was absolutely amazing. Check it out. We really appreciate your support. Of course, you can email us at hello at shiptalkingpod.com. We reply to every message we get. We're on Twitter. You know how to find us. Shoot us a tweet there and we love to engage with you. And it's just a lot of fun being able to talk with the community. Oh, absolutely. I think it's just all of us one big geek fest. It is. Uh, the, be- the, the best way to support us is to tell your friends who are obsessed with the Trek ships just as much as Brandon, James, Alex, and George, myself are. Oh, and Sharky, of course. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and please also consider leaving us a review on any of the pod platforms when you listen to the show. Five star reviews really help us and we love them. Thank you. We really do appreciate it. And honest feedback too. If we can do something better, please let us know. This is a community show. We do it for you. So if there's something we can do better, let us know. Or if there's something you really like and we want to continue it, let us know that too. So uh, a very big thank you, of course, before we warp out to our community manager, James, for all his work he does on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. And of course, to our senior audio engineer, George, he really makes sure each episode sounds so good. And if you didn't know, he leaves little jokes at the end. It's like a post credit scene. So if you haven't listened to him in the past, these are on the main pod episodes. Go back, give him a listen. He puts a lot of fun into it. And sometimes they're actually quite funny. And sometimes I'm just groaning just like the uh, the last track or the groan <laughs> track that's there. So we might have to do like a compilation of all of his end of credits thing. That might be kind of fun to see. Yeah, that's a great idea. The good, the bad and the groany. Um, <laughs> But I want to go ahead and first of all, thank everybody for listening. We thank you to the community. You guys make this so much fun. And of course, big, 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 huge thank you to our supporters on Patreon. Yes, thank you again. It's always a pleasure. Well, until our next episode, we've got a ton of other content coming out. Some really great guests lined up as well. So we will see you on your favorite subspace frequency and chat to you soon. Live long and prosper. Thanks, everybody. Have a nice one. We've got a lot of newbies around here now. And if there's one thing you gotta get straight, it's the suffixes on your enterprises. So just to be helpful, I made a little song for you to remember them by. Here goes. A is thin, B is fat, C's halfway, and D is whack. E is pointy, got no neck. F's not canon, last I checked. J's a pancake in the sky. Now you know your enterprise. Thank you, everybody. Have a lovely night.